Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance, your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene, the voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. Good morning. This is the 3CR Spoken Word Program. My name is Di Cousins and today I'm interviewing Tony Birch about his new book of poetry, Whisper Songs. Um, Thank you for coming in, Tony. Oh, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. And I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and pay my respects to elders past and present. Um, So... um, this is a, a wonderful book, um, divided into three sections, Blood, Skin and Water, um, and uh, there's an awful lot in it. Um, how long did it take you to write? Well, there are probably three or four older poems, so that there were a few poems that had been published individually that were not um, in my first collection, Broken Teeth, but the majority of the poems were published um, together, sorry, that were written together very quickly, um, mostly during lockdown last year. So I had a, um, I had a very intense period of, I suppose, creative drive mixed with some emotional issues going on around family grief. Um, but um, I was talking about this to someone yesterday. A lot of creative people um, have found that. COVID and lockdown and you know, being isolated from each other had a really detrimental effect on their output. And that's probably the case with me, you know, COVID lockdown four or wherever we're at with it. But during last year, I actually found being alone and having time to myself was a period of great creative intensity. And I did a lot of poetry and also um, wrote several short stories that are in my forthcoming short story collection. Fabulous. Yes, I think people have had various responses to lockdown. Um, I didn't mind being at home at all because there's always so much to do and I had a couple of creative projects on the go. So, yes, but for a lot of people, the isolation was very hard. Um, So tell me, what's the upcoming book of short stories about? Um, The upcoming book of short stories is called Dark as Last Night. So the release date on that, I think, is August the 2nd. And as the title suggests, it's a, a collection of you know, sometimes fairly dark stories, sometimes quite comical, probably generally relative to, to what all of my work has been about. And it's usually addressing people on the margins of mainstream society and trying to focus the lens on, on characters you know, who we otherwise ignore or, or don't take seriously and, and putting him in the centre of the story or the centre of the action. Yes, I loved your book, White Girl. Um, that was a wonderful book. Thank you. Okay, so if we go to Whisper Songs. Um, now, I noticed that uh, the book is divided into blood, skin and water and blood referring to family, skin referring to the wider Aboriginal community and water referring to country. Um, And I'm wondering if we might read some from the blood section to do with family. Sure. I'll read read two shortish poems. Um, 
the first one is called Archie and the second one is called Isabel and then I'll, I'll just have a, a little bit of a discussion about them. Archie, first day on earth, wrapped in love, wisps of dark hair, skin scent of life, tenacious limbs. He's a birch boy, they smile, reaching the birthing centre. Quiet, tentative, whispers, as if entering a library or perhaps a morgue. I feel the departed flowing through my grandson. Each week we walk, I grant him freedom, move close, feel warm breath on skin. It's very evocative. Yeah. And the second poem relative to that is Isabel. Beautifully stubborn, four years and rising, deep frown, eyes fierce, limbs of courage. A girl holding ground, bone and memory of women reaching back, meeting deep time, then cartwheeling forward, armour for her courage. She is the circle we gather. And those, both of those poems are for two of my grandchildren, uh, my grandson Archie, who's almost three years of age, and my granddaughter Isabel, who's now five. And it's not as if I simply wanted to commemorate them. I am really influenced by them. So I take care of both of my grandchildren um, at least once a week. And I suppose the poems are observations about how much of them reflects myself, how much of them reflects you know, people in my family who have passed away. But in a way, I suppose they're poems that want to ascribe courage and love at the beginning of their life and hope that their lives, in some ways, and this is not indicated in the poem directly, of course, but hope that their lives will be a little different than many of the other people I've written about in the book, whose lives have been much more troubled and at times um, impacted on by violence. Yes. No, well, they're beautiful poems, and I love the image of a girl holding ground bone and memory of women reaching back, meeting deep time, then cartwheeling forward, armour for her courage. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's a very beautiful poem. Yeah, and she's a very stubborn and strong girl. Yes. Great. Okay, so we might move on to the section skin. Yeah. Uh, what, would, what would you like to read there? Well, I think that what we should do, I mean, skin begins with a a very long poem um, called The Eight Truths of Khan, which is divided into obviously eight sections. And I think it's worth telling the story of this poem. Firstly, the um, I suppose what you might call the influences. So for people out there, um, I think if you know the work of Pio, some of his work particularly in 24 Hours, work that he did with some of his Fitzroy poems, and we'd, we'd done work together over the years. Um, Payo had been very strongly influenced by a an American-Russian-Jewish poet called Charles Reznikov, and a particular book called Testimony, which is a two-volume poetic history of the United States, using largely court documents to produce a poetic history of that country. And that book um, has had a great influence on me over the years. Um, other great books, though, that I would read that are similar to this, um, Geordie Orbison's The Hanging of Jean Lee is a very influential book for my practice. 
and an Aboriginal woman in South Australia, Natalie Harkin, has been doing a whole series of what are called archive poems that I've read that are really important to me. The Atrus of Khan is based on my great-grandfather, Buta Khan, by marriage, and the poems are taken or lifted in part from his immigration department file, so that Butakam was a man who came to the Victorian colony in the 1890s. So when he came here, there was no Australia. Um, so he's old, he was older than the nation. The nation hadn't even been born. And yet under Federation in 1901 and the Immigration Act, or what is called the White Australia Act, um, if Buta had left Australia and returned to his birthplace of the Punjab, um, his ability to come back into Australia would be very limited and he would have to subject himself to the infamous dictation test which could be given to a migrant in any language, including Mandarin. So I was able to get Buta's immigration file and it, it reads like a police document, so there are handprints, fingerprints, um, full-on profile, side profile and there are a series of what you might call character references around Buta, where he had to apply for references of good character to allow him to get an exemption from the Act. And in reading those documents and in knowing his history, he was a devout Muslim man who, who didn't drink alcohol, who'd never been in trouble with the police, who would otherwise be regarded as a you know an upstanding man. Um, he had to humiliate himself to this process every two years of his life to make sure that he could travel between Australia and, and the Punjab. And he did that to take my great-grandmother and my great-uncles and aunties back there to live. So um, I have a my own history of doing what are called archive poems and I have a background as... So my PhD was in urban history and, and colonial history. Um, what I've tried to do by looking at the archives is, is interrogate the archive, which is sometimes regarded as a, a dry or objective document, and to sort of beat it into submission or to get it to say something it's unwilling to say. So I'll just read the um, the first piece of, of the Eight Truths of Khan. One, Immigration Restriction Act, 1901, being the matter of Buta Khan. We certify on this day the examination of the alien to the nation, Mr. Buta Khan, and grant him permission to land if he is able to show he is or one of the other. One, a bona fide naturalised citizen of Australia, holder of certificate number, or that he was born in Australia in the state of, or that he is the bona fide holder of passport number. Note, we must strike out all reasons for his entry to our lands except that on which landing is allowed, which may not include marriage to a natural-born Australian, which may not include love, which may not include human decency, which may not include reasons that Mr. Buta Khan is a true man. Additionally, note, the handprints of Buta Khan, both left and right, are on the back page hereof, along with photographic evidence, both portrait and left and right profile. Yes, well, it's uh, over and over again, one is confronted by the brutality of the Australian legal system and the dehumanising effect of so many policies. And uh, this indeed is a, yet another testament to that and uh, beautifully evoked in your uh, 
reading of the material. So congratulations. Thank you. Well, we might. I'm talking to Tony Birch about his new book, Whisper Songs, and um, my name is Di Cousins, and we might just go to a track. Thank you. 
Mark Kozalek um, from the album Rock and Roll Singer and the track Find Me, Ruben Olivares. So why did you choose that track, uh, Tony? Um, because Ruben Olivares, who was a great Mexican bantamweight boxer, world champion, who unfortunately or not defeated Lionel Rose, the great Aboriginal fighter, to win that title, was my favourite boxer. I loved boxing as a kid and... Um, Olivares, I considered to be the greatest fighter um, living and I followed his career as a young boy very, very closely and when I saw that track several years ago, it became one of my favourite pieces of music. Beautiful. Okay, so we're still looking at the central section of the book uh, Whisper Songs and um, which is about skin. So what would you like to read next? Yeah, I'd like to read two shortish poems, which I suppose are poems that um, provide a sense of my feeling about what we might call the national psychosis of racism and xenophobia that pervades Australia. Um, The first poem is called Hygiene for a Nation's Soul. At water's edge, cleanse myself in your image. Scoured this body, masked an eye, bowed to blindness. Came up shadow, dancing hollow, stolen land. Bleached to soul, hammered hands and blackened feet gouged a hole for your inspection. And the second poem, Raise a Wire Nation. We ran a line of wire across the empty beaches in a time before feet met the shore. While love is an empty box, we busily tend the cages, gun turret warriors for a razor wire nation. That poem, Razor Wire Nation, is one of, again one of the early poems, and that was a poem that I wrote in respo- response to the incarceration of asylum seekers and refugees in Australia. And this is a poem that actually was written in the early 2000s when um, John Howard as Prime Minister. Um, was hell-bent on making sure not only that refugees didn't find safety in Australia, but those who reached our shore would then become incarcerated in concentration camps. So it was an important poem for me to make that point. And Hygiene for a Nation's Soul is really a poem about um, the fixation with the Aboriginal body by white Australia and this endless um, attempt for us to be reflected in the image of white society. And I suppose the thing I'd want to say about both poems is that they clearly are making an overt and direct political statement. There's no doubt about that. But one of the things that I'm interested in as a poet, and I'm sure all poets are, is that um, the poem still has to work. It still has to be, it has to have that poetic quality and that um, I'd never write a poem that I felt was only produced to make a political statement and didn't have any poetic quality or resonance because um, if I didn't need to do that, I I wouldn't bother with a poem. I'd just stand on the street corner and and shout, which I sometimes do, by the way. So um, I am interested very strongly in the way that poetry can both have really you know, great quality as a a poetic work for readers and also impact their thinking and, I suppose, energise them to consider the political um, issues that are are in the poem. 
Yes, well, I think that, um, I mean, the poems work through metaphor and imagery and uh, mood and, you know, these are elements that uh, work in on different levels in different ways to simply standing on the street corner shouting. Mm. Um, but I love the image of running a, a line of wire across the empty beaches. I mean, that's exactly what we have mm. with... The, the obsession with the border so-called control, which is really just uh, turning people back to danger. I find it terrifying the way that is done so routinely and endorsed by both the Labour and Liberal parties. It, it's it's just terrific. Yeah, and you can imagine, you can imagine the law, the legislation being the barbed wire. You don't yes. need to physically have the barbed wire in place. The law acts to reproduce that that violent barrier. Yes, yes, it's all about the violence. Great. Okay, now the next section in the book is called Water. And uh, what does water refer to? Yeah, the water poems would refer to, to two issues that are really important to me. One is that people who know my writing know that I've written for many, many years about the Birrarung River or what some people know as the Yarra River. Um, this is, of course, on Wurundjeri country, and um, we're so um, privileged to to have this river, this Wurundjeri river, to to enjoy. And I've been obsessed with that river since I was a, a child, and you know, swam in it, jumped off bridges over it, walked it, run by it um, for over fifty years now. So the two two issues here are about water, in the sense of locality of the, the Birrarung and the Mary Creek, um, the Maribyrnong River. But also that um, I've been doing a lot of environmental, ecological work on protection of country for several years now. So some of the other poems are really addressing the the fragility um, of water and water is so important to sustain country. And, you know, when we think of climate change and when we think of destruction of country, um, water is one of the elements that is both precious to um, rejuvenating and sustaining country, but it's also one of the one of the elements that are constantly under attack. Um, yeah, so I'll start with a, a poem which I suppose indicates just how I feel, um, in how important water is to me and how important water is to country. So it's called How Water Works. Cup of hand, skin and bone, water well pulsing molecules, life, one Two, three thousand years. Twice daily rises, a gentle fall. Flow stories ask, Who are we within this world? Let water run, circle, settle, be. Bowl of Arctic water moving slowly south, sleeping, ebbing, rising, upwelling loops of life. Second, centimeters, patience, slowly, spirit, beauty, and humility. Shapeshift onwards through air bodies, entwined with other waters, in plants, in soil, in country. From pregnant clouds, rain on my roof, drumming announcing the birth of love. So clearly it's a poem which celebrates the vitality of water, um, which is something that, that I've always carried with me. And the poem that I'll read now, which is relative to this, um, the Great Flood of 1971, is both referring to a specific event. So being a young teenage boy in Melbourne, standing on a bridge between Richmond and Hawthorne, overlooking the Beerung River, 
not knowing that I was about to um, get rained on in a very <laughs> biblical way. So I was with a group of school kids who wagged school for the day because we thought it'd be the last hot day of summer, so it was early Feb. And we went down to the river for a swim and started jumping off a bridge, which is the rail bridge between um, Richmond and Hawthorne. And we got caught in this flood, which has you know, become mythical um, over the years. And all our school clothes got washed away. And we ended up having to run across um, Burnley Oval in our underwear. Um, yeah, it was a very in- interesting time. And the other thing I, I do want to say before I finish is that um, you'll note that this book was edited by a woman, Annie Tafew. Um I wouldn't want to finish without saying that um, so she's both a remarkable poet and an editor who works at a place in Sydney called Red Room Poetry. And I was very lucky to have Annie as an editor of this book. She's a Maori woman who lives in Australia. And some of these poems, I think, were pretty um, pretty rough shape before she got hold of them as an editor. And she did remarkable work in the book. So I just want to make sure that we note that. I'll read The Great Flood of 1971. We gathered with the last summer, that morning, a school day packed to be with our river before winter. I prayed. Stripped to underwear, bravado, climbed webs of rusting steel, stood and faced a common enemy. I was courage. Fear, a thirteen-year-old's only desire, spread from the rail and flew, humid air, fifty feet of life on skin. I left my body. Tepid water, a magnet drawing down. Bands of blackness crushing bodies, the light above extinguished. I was alive. Surface gasping in a deluge. Lightning tearing holes in sky. This river of rising life flood me. So it's a poem also about a boy testing his body and testing his courage. And the way that I write about fear is that as a teenage boy growing up in the city, um, I was a terrible risk taker and I think I terribly punished my bodies or dared my body to survive and it's not something that I would encourage my children or grandchildren to do. But I think when you grow up in a fairly tough environment, and fairly, coming from a fairly violent home, one of the things was inscribed on my body was a sort of a, an armour and I was always testing that armour. So when I talk about fear in the poem, I was really afraid to be up 50 feet above the river, but that was what I desired. I wanted to, I wanted to confront fear. So it's, 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 it is, in a way, a nostalgic poem, but it's also very emotionally present for me. It's a beautiful poem, and um, I think we all go through that period as we grow up of finding where our limits are by perhaps going beyond our limits and then maybe coming back to the to where we find the limits to be. But I love um, the – it's in a special form with um, these reflections. I prayed, I was courage, I left my body, I was alive, flood me. This very inner experience of being in the flood. Mm. And also being – I mean, people always tell me they can't believe that I used to swim in the river and I still do um, – although I do it a bit more cautiously now. Fortunately, these days, the 
the Yarra River Protection Society or whatever they're called, they put out daily um, bulletins of the, the state of the river. Right. But in, in summer, as long as, it ha- as long as it hasn't had a he- heavy rain in recent days, there are several points along the river that you can swim. Yeah. You know, and it, it's, it's relatively clean, probably as clean as your local swimming pool. Okay. Great. All right. Well, I've been speaking to Tony Birch about his new book, Whisper Songs. Um, thank you for coming in, Tony. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed reading the poems. I, I, I'm not a, a great reader of my own work, but I've enjoyed this a lot. Oh, good. Well, it's been great to have you here. And, um, and Whisper Songs has been published by the University of Queensland Press. And uh, my name is Di Cousins. And this has been the Spoken Word Program. And it's Radiothon at 3CR. So we would really be grateful if you could make a donation to keep 3CR and the Spoken Word Program on the air. Uh, The fundraiser is at givenow.com.au and look up 3CR Spoken Word Radiothon.